Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. I would suspect uh, many of us will uh, be raking up our leaves and doing all of that stuff. I got the... Uh, the leaf vacuum, which was the greatest thing I ever bought. I uh, I was looking one up on the weekend uh, because I know uh, while my house, I just mulch the leaves into the grass in the mm-hmm. backyard. Uh, my mother is one who likes to rake up all of the leaves or clear them out of her front yard. Yeah, we uh, you know we we have less trees now than we certainly did when we moved in. The city took down a couple along the. Uh, um, along the, uh, boulevard. And, um, and then we had that big maple one that, uh, fell over, sl- uh, basically, uh, split apart, uh, back a couple of years after we moved in. So when we first got there in the fall, it was just a nightmare. So much so that I, I saw this kid who was, uh, raking up leaves across the street from us. Cause we live in a, a neighborhood of 1970s homes. So there's a lot of big trees. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I paid this kid, like for a few years, he would come and, Take care of all the fantastic. Leaves. It was perfect. I'd give him like forty bucks, and he'd be done in a day and what? gone. Yeah, yeah. And then he disappeared. I don't know what happened. Um, he got <laughs> on with one of the leaves. Yeah. So yeah, so I uh, I started uh, looking into the uh, well, the blower and the vacuum, and it's just uh, it's great. I mean, it just takes care of it all, and there's no bending over to pick up all the leaves. You just stand there and suck them all up and then unload it into a lawn bag. I saw a neighbor of mine the other day was was blowing leaves onto a tarp and oh. then picking up that tarp and just angling everything right into the lawn bag. I thought, well, this actually looked really smart. It was smart, yeah. <laughs> and, and, it was, uh, and it seemed to be working well. I didn't stand around to watch it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty good. It's a pain. I got this one last big tree at the side of the house. It's a nice one. I don't, I don't want to see it go, but if it did, I probably wouldn't lose too much sleep. <laughs> and then that would basically, I think, take care of it because it's a, it's a monster of a tree. Anyhow, that'll probably be this weekend's activities because Saturday's sunny and 13. So got to get outside and finish stuff up. And then it just looks like rain, like, from Sunday on into the middle of next week. Mm. So, there you go. That's what it is. That's this time of year. I was at home uh, yesterday after the show, and I went down to the basement to do a bit of uh, work and prep. And then uh, Evan had come home with me after take your kid to school day. Oh yeah, did he finally? Did he go and, home and crash? Well, I I didn't hear much from him. He was just kind of sitting around watching some TV and had something to eat. And then a couple hours after I was finished up, I was heading up for my nap. I found him passed out face down in his bed. <laughs> <laughs> I snapped a pic of him and said to Adrian, just thought, rookie. Yeah. <laughs> this is what you get. Yeah. That's it. Did you get him into bed uh, early last night? Uh, not finally... really. We had hockey late, but uh, at one point there was a bit of a screaming match in the afternoon that we had getting ready for hockey and uh, See, this is what happens mm-hmm. when you're overtired. Welcome to my world yep. on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I say I was leaving uh, yesterday morning, and he was still hovering around, and I just said, Evan, go to bed before 11. Stop killing your father. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how you do it. I was having none of it when my kids were that age. Mm-hmm. I think he gets it now, though. He, he at least has a... a, a a better appreciation. Yeah. I don't think it's going to change anything in terms right. of his habits, but at least he sees it. I used to just say to my boys, look, you can stay up all night. Just be quiet. Yeah. 
I, I don't, I, you know, you're uh, 14 or 15. You're old enough to figure this out. You're old enough to know you've got to go to school in the morning. If you want to sit up till 2 a.m., I don't care. Right. You're getting up and going to school. Just don't wake me up. <laughs> Let me sleep. <laughs> so it was kind of a, by about 10 p.m. at my place, it was like quiet time. No noise, which is always why it's uh, good when they have the phone in front of them. Right. <laughs> because then at least they shut up for a minute. When you're young get to be maybe uh, into your late teens or early 20s, at some point you just think, I cannot wait to get away from my parents. <laughs> I want my own place. I want to do my own thing. I can't live under this roof or their right. rules anymore. And then uh, life carries on. You get a little older. Maybe you have a family of your own. And you do start to tend to uh, weave back to your uh, parents. And uh, parents of young children were asked how often do they lean on their own parents or at least even uh, turn to them for guidance. And uh, on average, parents say that they speak to their own parents about twice a week looking for some uh, guidance on child rearing or whatever it might be. One in eight call them almost every day. Wow. That, that seems uh, a bit much. Although I remember my poor mother, boy, if she didn't call her mom like every other day, there was hell to pay. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Every other day. Yeah, at least. I see it. Listen, even to my own mother-in-law, you know, I think just as we age, we, we get more childlike. Yeah. You know. Well, lonely, too, right? Yeah, I guess. Sure. Um, and so there becomes this thing of, uh, well, why haven't you called me? And, and, and you're like, well, you own a phone. Yeah. You can call me. Right. So that, I think, happens with a lot of uh, parents and kids. Well, because they get into this kind of defensive mode of, well, they've forgotten about me mm. or they don't care about me anymore. And it's just, you know, that, and, and, and the loneliness factor of it is, is, is real in the sense that they've limited, you know, a lot of people as they age limit the number of people that they, in their circle. Well, sure, a lot of those people in the circle have died. Oh, right, too. right. Or, and they're certainly not getting out and meeting new. Right, that's and, right. And expanding their circle. So as their circle gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. You know, there's, there, you know, something happens in your day, you have no one to talk to about it. Yeah. No, that's for sure. Yeah, I remember, and it's just different too with moms and dads. Like I'm, when my mom was alive, I, I'm sure I called her at least once a week, probably like on a Sunday, I'd call her and see mm. how she's doing. Of course, they lived near us in Windsor, so they'd pop by occasionally. But, uh, when they were living up north, it would be once a week. After my mom passed, I mean, I was checking in on my dad fairly regularly, but it got to a point where it was probably like once a month. Yeah. You know, either he'd call, and he was always really good about it. Like he, he just knew, hey, life is busy and everybody's got stuff to do. So he never kind of gave me any kind of guilt over not calling. And the, and the calls were usually pretty quick. I mean, hey, Dad, how you doing? Eh. All right. Talk to, <laughs> talk to you in another month. Well, he got busy too, right? Yeah, Volunteering and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and he had his lady friend. And, yeah, and he was very social. And he knew everybody in his condo. And, you know, he was always hanging out at his favorite pub. So, yeah, he was out and about to the, well, to the day he died. He was heading out that day going mm -hmm. to meet his friends. So. Uh, most people admit they have different ideas, even though they lean on their parents for advice about raising kids or other things. Most admit they have different ideas about raising their children and how their parents raised them. Right. And I think that's probably just true with generational, you know, as we, as we, as we go on through this life and we all mature and we find out uh, different ways and, you know, certainly you're, you know, raising kids in the 1950s was completely different to the 2023s. So. Yes. Yeah. And I find it amazing the things that stick in our minds about our childhood. 
Right, like you'll you'll be like, oh, my dad was never involved in anything. Right, <laughs> right. So why should I have to be involved? Mm. And then you know, like, okay, you you might be taking uh, you know fifteen, eighteen years of your childhood and compressing it into like three memories, mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where your dad missed a game of yours or something like that. Yeah, and and then there's the opposite now, where I think too many parents overcompensate and are way too involved in everything right. that their kids are a part of. Like, sometimes you just got to let them do their thing and you sit in the stands or you pick them up after, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to be on them. And it just it just seems like I think a lot of parents now see their role as not only being a parent, but their kid's best friend. Right. And you're not. And you shouldn't be mm. their best friend. Well, and, and for many, the, their social circle revolves around their kid's activities. Sure. Right. Like it's it's not just, hey, we're going out with our friends. We'll drop you off at the rink. It's, right. No, we're going to the rink with you. It's now our social scene. Like with you and your parents, you're you're there for about, what, four meals a day? <laughs> <laughs> a week, maybe. <laughs> you know what? And to be honest, and, and I give my parents credit for this because, yeah, we've always been close. I'm, I'm an only child and um, and we still live relatively close. I stop by because they're on their way. They're on my way home. I so see you lots of times. We're leaving at the same I'll time. You make off. that right. And, in I, and, and it's like a quick, very quick, just a check in or I got to help my mom with something today. She's right. like, can you help me load this stuff in the car? Like, yeah, sure. No problem. It's a, it's, it's a quick stop, but they don't pop by like my place. All right. Or and certainly not unannounced. They'll, they'll always like text call. We got something for the boys. Can we drop it off? Yeah, around. see, you're at the stage now, even with your own parents, everybody knows nobody's welcome at the lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it set up perfectly. I don't think this is too shocking. Uh, more than half of us uh, consider ourselves to be spenders rather than savers. Only a quarter of us say we're savers more hmm. than spenders. And I think it's just... You know, we convince ourselves, oh, I work hard, I deserve this. So right, yes. We splurge on things that we probably don't really need. Uh, and this poll also found out that the spenders might actually uh, be happier, at least, you know, for now. Right, yeah. You're always happy until that visa arrives. Or or the mortgage renewal. Yeah, when that uh, when that comes up. Um yeah, or just as the years go by, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, if you have some disposable income, you just think, well, I'm I'm young, I'm going to do, I'm going to enjoy. And then there's that kind of that pivot, and I'm, I'm in that spot now where you're like, well, retirement is a lot closer than it used to be. Right. And so uh, to slow up on the spending, we don't need all this stuff. I wonder what's going to happen or if we're going to see, because we seem to live in a very... Me, me, me time, mm-hmm. right? Where everyone's just in it for themselves now. You know, post pandemic, people were crossing off bucket lift stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, interest rates were so low that we're just, you know, throwing things on lines of credit and, uh, and kind of going really free in there and saying, ah, I'm living for me. I don't care. I wonder what happens with the amount of debt that's going to be incurred and then left behind later on. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, our mortgages uh, on our, uh, and I say this because, you know, it's first world issues, but on our rental place, it's up in February. And there have been some long discussions about that because it's going up significantly mm. in February. So you'll uh, find me under the bridge 
Well, I mean, this has come up just yesterday. Tiff Macklem, the, the governor of the Bank of Canada, is testifying before the Senate committee and basically said, you know, they held the key interest rate steady because mm-hmm. of the wave of mortgage renewals mm-hmm. that's coming up and people are panicking oh, right now. Sure, if it's going to go up six, seven, eight hundred for some people, thousand dollars more a month, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how much you're carrying. Yeah. If in the last few years you bought a million dollar home and put uh, two or three hundred thousand down and are carrying seven hundred grand, yeah, that's a big bump uh-huh. when you signed for two point eight and now you're going in at six point four. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, and it's uh, it's a lot, and you you look around and you see all these homes uh, that are still. Uh, being built, and I guess people are still putting money down, and it's still happening, but uh, you would think it's certainly slowed up. And the bank does not want to take your house. They will They will do whatever they can. I mean, yeah. in the end, you're going to still pay through the teeth to keep that property, but they will uh, They will do whatever they can to help you get through it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're still going to pay. But spenders say they're uh, they're happier with their personal life, their work life, and with their current relationship. But yet, see, that's the thing too. When you're spending, of course you're happy. Yeah. <laughs> nobody nobody goes out and buys things and has an argument. Well, you might have an argument about what you're buying, right? But, you know, it's usually the arguments about what we can't buy. When one person in the relationship wants something and the other one says, "No, we don't need a new couch." My problem is, I see myself as both a spender and a saver. I spend, but only things that are on sale. Mm. So I feel like I'm saving when I'm spending. It really is a vicious circle. I think so, because I understand your your theory. You know, it's like going out and buying a lot of toilet paper when you see it on sale for a great price. Of course, you know you're going to use it. But I, I, I think what you do, which I find is odd, is you'll you'll find, like, use hockey as an example, I guess. You'll find a maybe a stick that's way too big for the boys or something. Yeah. And you'll buy, and they, you know, they'll they'll end up not. I bet you there's a ton of stuff you've bought thinking it's going to get used down the road, not and it lot, doesn't. Not a lot of it, and I, I still have regrets about not buying more wow. when it came to that. Years ago, hockey parents will know this, but uh, there was a big national sports. Remember national sports? Yeah. It went out of business. Yeah. And they had like this that big uh, national sports in Pickering. It was right on the 401, and it was going out. And they put everything at half price mm. in that store. And I bought like a size up in everything hockey equipment uh, for Evan at that point. Right. He's wearing it now. Mm. Finally wearing it now. He only got into it. Some of the stuff like as of like the last year. And this was probably three years ago that I bought it. Isn't it out of, uh, you know, out of style now? Nah, or not it's, up it's, to code? It's, under, it's underneath the stuff. It's all, no, it's all good. I it's, wish I had bought more. Now, now I've got Christian going into new stuff and thinking, oh man, I gotta pull, play, pay full pop for this now. I hate wow. paying full price. Yeah. I just remember like when David was playing and, you know, God forbid you walked in with the wrong helmet when everybody else was wearing the $700 helmet. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think you see that much of that now, to be honest. And, and it, it's amazing because as parents, we look in a, and we have kids in hockey. We're always buying. We got to buy the latest and greatest of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you look in an NHL locker room, and like they're wearing shoulder pads from like 15, 20 years ago. Mm. <laughs> Sidney Crosby's jock might be the first one he ever had. Like, like they're they're rotting on on the shelves in their locker room. Boy, you set me up for that one, didn't you? <laughs> Funny how you know about Sidney Crosby's jock strap. 
turns out that uh, Taylor and Travis are uh, Halloween Grinches. It is said that uh, Taylor was at Travis's home in Kansas City, but the house was closed to trick-or-treaters. What? Locked off with police tape, and there was a security guard outside telling kids nobody's home today. Wow. You wouldn't think, like, Travis Kelsey's neighborhood would be one that would have a lot of trick-or-treaters because the homes are probably fairly wide apart. Right, true. They like Kids like the townhouses and get from door-to-door quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you got staff. Have the staff do yeah. it. <laughs> Say, listen, go pick up, pick up a box of candy, and you know, just tell the security guard hand out some candy to the kids right down at the end of the gated driveway. You right. also think, yeah, I'm sure his house isn't like right on the boulevard. It's, no, it's probably up a winding hill a bit. Mm. So even then, the kids wouldn't be able to get to it necessarily. Oh. Yeah, so just have somebody handing it out on the street in their gated community. Most communities in the states now are all compounded the gated community. Yeah. Have someone handed out down there. People said they knew that the security guard was lying because they could see lights going on and off inside the house. Well, maybe it's haunted. Right. Um, well, not that it's their business anyway. I mean, no. <laughs> there are people that don't partake. Obviously, we saw a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's fine. Yeah, do as you wish. Do as you wish. But uh, oh, you're lying. They're in there. What, what are you going to do? You're going to break down the door to get some candy? Yeah. Confront Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Right. <laughs> See how that works for you. Uh, one mom said, they're not handing out candy. Do you believe that? Well, we know they're lying. Swifty is here. She flew into Kansas City on Monday, left yesterday. So there you go with that. And Brooke Shields... Suffered a grand mall seizure. Oh, no. Bradley Cooper saved her. And Brooke claimed she was drinking a ton of water for an extended period of time because she was so busy with various projects, including a one-woman show, and she always felt dehydrated. Well, all that water flooded her system and caused her sodium levels to drop. The seizure hit after she entered a club. See, this is why I say more salt, less water. That's my theory. Sure. Yeah. Uh, The seizure hit after she entered a club. Everything started to go black. She said that my hands dropped to my side. And I went headfirst into a wall. She was frothing at the mouth, totally blue, trying to swallow my own tongue. The next thing she knew, she's riding to the hospital in an ambulance with Bradley Cooper holding her hand. Wow. Someone at the club had tried to contact Brooke's husband, but they only got an assistant. Oh, I bet that was a comfortable conversation after. (laughs) Oh, how come my husband can't take the call, but Bradley Cooper can? (laughs) She said some kind of weird game of phone tag ensued, and someone ended up calling Bradley because he just happened to be nearby. When she woke up in the ambulance and Bradley Cooper was holding her hand, she thought, "Uh, this is heaven. This is heaven. Bradley Cooper taking me to heaven? He does seem like a really solid dude. Yeah. Ever seen, like, like he was, like, at that university with, like, James Lipton. He was in that class. Remember Mm -hmm. inside the actor's studio? That's right. He was in that class asking questions of all the actors, then eventually went back on it as a guest. Uh, speaking of solid dudes, in that Smartless documentary, they end up in Madison, Wisconsin, because Sean Hayes' sister uh, lives there, and she's kind of become a running gag in the Smartless uh, podcast, where she always has a question okay. for whatever celebrity. So they decided to take the show to Madison, Wisconsin, so that the fans could meet Tracy, his sister, who's become a, a, a character within the uh, podcast. And um, you think, well, who the hell can they get? as a star from Madison, Wisconsin, you know, outside of Chris Farley, who's dead. Right. But uh, they got uh, Matt Damon to come in for it. Oh, wow. That's a good guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, who the hell? And it's wintertime. Who the hell wants to be in Wisconsin? <laughs> February. So seems like Matt Damon must be a good guy as well.
Did you know the QR in QR code stands for quick response? I did not know that. They were invented in 1994 and were, uh, were originally used to track car parts for a Japanese company. QR codes could store more information and fix the problem of having to scan multiple barcodes, which right. is, I guess, what you still see at grocery stores. Or yeah, for the most part. QR codes, you see a lot of contesting and stuff like that. Mm. Just follow this. Uh, it takes you to a site link. I... I, I, I'm kind of blown away because I I didn't know what QR stood for, but I also never questioned it. Mm. It's just like, what is it? What's this square with all the funky little lines in it? Oh, it's a QR code. Still bothers me when I have to go into a restaurant and scan their QR code to True. look at their uh, menu. That's the world we're in. Just hand me a menu for crying out loud. Then others will say, well, it's better. You're not touching something gross. So, mm. uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, great actor, and he's the only actor who's won an Oscar for playing a president. He won for Lincoln in 2013. Oh. Six other actors have been nominated for playing the president, but all of them lost. Okay. Elvis never performed outside of North America. He did a few shows in Canada in 1957, but never Performed outside of uh, the USA, never went to Europe ever, except for his stint in the army when he went to Germany. I was going to say, wasn't there a German uh, wasn't a connection tour. there? That what? wasn't a tour? It was an army tour, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's when they shaved his head. And, yeah. And that was the damn colonel made him do that. I guess so the, Be- the Beatles played in Germany a lot. That was oh, yeah, yeah. That's, by the way, too, they got a brand new song. Yes, like, it's a old song redone or something. It's called uh, yeah, the, Be- the last Beatles song called "Now and Then." It's been released today, and Lee Eckley's going to play it uh, through the midday today. Oh, okay, very around good. ten o'clock. I All think. right, he's in for Lorraine. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, uh, Peter Jackson, the guy who did the Get Back documentary, was put in charge of remastering this thing and spent like two or three or four years or something working on it like crazy. And yeah. um, and everybody involved with the Beatles, from George Harrison's uh, widow, uh, even Pete Best sent some video footage he had. What? Well, you know, Pete, he needs a gig. <laughs> Can I be attached to this somehow? a million dollars right. a second. Yeah. Uh, Pete Best has no luck. Look, like they've lost two members of that band. <laughs> George, Ringo's still kicking. <laughs> Not the drummer. Yeah. Had Ringo passed, maybe Pete would have had a shot back in. Anyhow, yes, it's uh, people. Now, there are some who are like, oh, this is just McCartney and Ringo cashing in. I've heard that, and I've heard some debates about why would you even do this if it wasn't good enough to release back when Lennon. Yeah, they say that about everything. Yeah. Though. Right. Yeah. But listen, listen, we can say new rock from the Beatles right. coming today. Yeah. The Stones are like, slow, slow down. Yeah. Slow down. <laughs> we actually recorded this stuff like recently, not in 1968. Uh, well, not all of it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Elvis uh, never toured anywhere in Europe because of that damn Colonel Parker. Screwed him over. Screwed him huge. Uh, we all remember Agatha Christie as being a, a, a mystery writer and probably one of the all-time best, but she was also an avid surfer. What? Yeah, in fact, she uh, might have been the first Western woman to stand up on a surfboard. Really? Yeah. A Swiss Army knife is called a MacGyver knife in South Korea. That's fantastic. A MacGyver knife, yeah. That's a great, great term for it. What do they call it in Switzerland? Well, is it just a knife? I, it's got to be just a knife. Well, they must be pissed. This is why I think Swiss, uh, the Swiss people, Switzerland, are neutral in all things around the world. Because they had one weapon at their disposal. <laughs> now everybody knows about it. 
So they're like, ah, forget it. We're not fighting anybody. We had this one knife. Right. It was our Swiss Army knife. <laughs> you had to be at a real close yeah. range, and you had to have good nails in order to get the knife out. <laughs> okay. Hold on, don't shoot hang me. Hang on, hang on. i got to pry this thing out of here. Now they just ski and ah, hand people. crap, I got the corkscrew again. <laughs> yeah, before you, before you kill me, can I open a bottle of wine for you? <laughs> now they just hand out chocolates and say, let's ski. Enough of this. Gangnam Style became the first YouTube video to get over 1 billion views, and it happened on December 21st, 2012, which was also the day the apocalypse was supposed to happen. Okay. And listen, that Psy is still at it. Is he? Like a, like a, a king of that K-pop scene. I saw some video of him recently. He's still jumping around and got crowds <gasps> booming off of that one good, song. Good on him. Um the smell of fresh cut grass is a distress signal for the poor grass. The grass is releasing a chemical that makes that smell to try and save itself from the mortal wounds we just dealt it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. And we make it into air freshener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All you golf courses, you should feel terrible about yourself. <laughs> That's right. Corn is a type of grass, if you didn't know. No. And your head ages faster than your feet. Although just by nanoseconds, it's because your head is slightly farther from Earth's gravitational field. Right. With all the random hairs coming out of your head now, it's starting to look more like your feet. Yeah. So there you go. Now you know. I guess that would mean, too, when you die, your feet maybe go first. That's why they say, uh, you're going to take me out here feet first. Oh. Maybe that's where that saying comes from. I'm uh, pretty sure it's just the way the caskets aligned, but... I know well, what you mean. They could take people heads first out. They could too. But the head's still alive. <laughs> Things are still going on up there. Rock mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 949 The Rock.